Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Atlanta, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Thursday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Old friend Derek Montia is here. Derek, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, sir. How are you doing? I'm uh I'm good. It is uh not 135 degrees like it is where you are in uh the snake correct. pit is what they yes. call Arizona, correct? The snake pit. I, sure. They they call it all sorts of names. We refer to it here as the Valley of the Sun. Mm. Um that doesn't good really do the heat justice, but yeah, it's it's pretty terrible. Everything after 105 degrees though is just terrible anyway. Mm. So it doesn't But do matter. you even notice it? Do you notice the difference between 101 and 108? No, mostly because I'm not outside. Mm. Uh, I'll say you notice it at the other t- like, yeah, it's just it's just blatantly hot. It's just ridiculously hot in the middle of the day. But you notice it worse when it's really hot at other times. So when you get up at like five o'clock in the morning to go put your dumpster outside and it's already 92 degrees outside, that's a gross feeling. You want you want to go outside at like five o'clock in the morning and at least have some reprieve from the heat, some sort of do you at least go outside at cool. five o'clock in the morning though, ever. No, do you want to be no. awake at five o'clock in the morning? Not really. Not really. Is but that when you get up, I'm home. I'm home all the time, Chase. And I don't even, I don't even know what time is. Mm. I don't, I don't have a normal sleeping schedule anymore. I, I, it's just, I, you know how I tell time based on the meals that I cook, because now I have to cook all the time i have to cook people breakfast i have to cook people lunch and i have to cook, cook people lunch? dinner what are you cooking yeah I, yeah you cook lunch sometimes yeah you cook lunch i cooked a pizza today that's cooking okay i mean it was a frozen pizza so i just had to heat up the okay. oven yeah put the pizza in the oven but mm. you get the point interesting well see i'm not a breakfast guy anyway so like my breakfast is a protein shake and or so this is something i picked up from um nick saban friend of the podcast he uh he eats oatmeal cream pies for breakfast. He has he has one little of Debbie classic. Yeah. And uh see I hate eating first thing in the morning and as you can tell from my figure as we were talking about Derek is mm-hmm. um I hate eating in general. And I I just want my coffee. That's it. Like I don't it, food just grosses me out. It repulses me first thing in the morning. What I prefer is my coffee, walk around get into that for a little bit and then mm-hmm. my favorite sandwich i eat the same thing for lunch every day and my lunch is turkey oven roasted ultra thin turkey i i am a big mustard guy very big mustard guy do that i get some salt and vinegar lays chips smash it onto said sandwich 
and also I should throw American cheese there too. Mm-hmm. Cut it up, cut it in half because I cannot. I, I won't eat a sandwich if it's just like the whole, the whole bread. I have to Cor- corner to corner or down ha- the middle. Uh, corner to corner. Ah, that a boy. That's yeah. that's the way you cut a sandwich. Yeah. I yeah. can't like. All right, uh, and you eat this every day. Eat it, but that's what I do every day. Every day. Every day. And That's I could eat grilled chicken and rice and some sort of vegetable for dinner every night of my life and never get tired of it. Here's the thing. I hate I'm going food. Se- I hate thinking yeah, about it. I'm going to second everything you said. Um, I'm, I'm a larger fellow than yourself. I think we described your figure before we started podcasting we as prepubescent okay. girl. Um, but no, I, I totally get where you're coming from. Those are meals that I could eat without really the fear of the repetition bothering me on eating them very often. I'm a huge uh, turkey sandwich fan myself. I've often yeah, said trash. That, if you ever yeah, bring ham's ham, into my, if you bring ham, ham into my house, I'm throwing ham. it away. Oh God, no. Uh, but I, I've often said that, that my desert Island food, the food that if I had to eat every single day for the rest of my life could be anything, uh, it would be a turkey club sandwich room service style from like a Hilton. Okay. You know, that's, that's it with the French fries. It's plain. There's not a lot of spice there to it, but it's consistently good. It's one of those things that they can't really screw up too bad, no matter where you go. And I just, I don't know. I could always eat it. I could always eat it. I I think my answer there is bratwurst. You, you continue to baffle me. I, I love just bratwurst. Just me how you eat this turkey sandwich every single day and you switch it up for bratwurst. No, I mean, I would do... So my parents can confirm this. I, I've i cooked a lot of bratwurst, mac and cheese, and baked beans for dinner in my lifetime. That was like my go-to, is I, I would get a bunch of sausages and then I would cook them all at once and then store them in the fridge. And that's what I would do. Do you, you combine... The bratwurst and the mac and cheese, or are they separate entities on your plate? Uh, combine them. But I also ah, have some spicy nice. mustard, some regular mustard. But I, yeah. I love sausage and I love chicken. But um, no, that that would be like I just I love love them. Like I love hot yeah. dogs, so I do that a lot. If I get like my snack when I used to uh, go into work and come back on my break, I would just fire up a, uh, a hot dog real quick. Love a good hot dog, and then I would go out to work. Like I, these I think just I, the hot dog or the bun and everything, like oh, the whole bun, bun and everything. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But that would was be like my yeah, go-to okay. snack. Yeah. No, that's. I mean, I'm with you on all that. You and I have very similar palates when it comes to the the. So you that, like to expand, that, and I'm sure that your daughter and your wife like to have different. That's the bigger problem. Yes. Not only that, but going back to your breakfast scenario, I'm very similar with you in that aspect. I can pretty much go until about one o'clock every single day without eating yeah uh, it, it doesn't matter if i'm on vacation it doesn't matter if i'm home it doesn't it doesn't matter if, if i'm eating prior to that typically i'm probably forcing myself to eat there's occasions where i'm hungry in the morning and i'll eat i'm not saying i'm i'm not i just for the most part don't need to eat until around lunchtime mm-hmm. it, it that that's that's where it becomes so problematic having a child that's where that comes in because see, she likes to eat first thing in the morning and then she wants to eat say, again in the afternoon. Like what an oh, God, she angry, loves she God, loves this to eat kid all the time. wanting to oh. eat food. She never stops. It's all the time. But it's also the fact that like 
I took for granted how often her meals were taken care of by another individual. Now that we are home together all the time, I realize how often I have to cook and not for me, not because I'm hungry for another person. So she can't just handle the cereal for breakfast or a pop tart. Oh no, she likes it. Guess who still needs to put that whole thing together? She's not cereal and a pop tart. That involves work chase. I'm not just, Using my mind to telepathically make the bowl come down out Wait, of the cap. Why cab- can't she do it? How old is she? She's nine. Oh, she should be doing it. Yeah, she should be doing it. The bowls are up high. She can't reach them. We didn't think this through. Okay. I'm not saying we made the best decisions as parents. Obviously not because she has this thing about having to eat all the time. Mm. You know, she's she always there. Precedent early. Eat, yeah. You get to eat I very sure. rarely. Once huh. a week. Yeah. And then that's gradually you give it for a little bit more every week. Mm-hmm. So she'll appreciate it more. That I think that's how you do parenting. That's good parenting right there. That's you good parenting. I have zero children in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I'm I I'm quickly I'm quickly growing to be team no kids, you know? Mm. Yeah. I'm on board with that. If someone was You're like good with the one. Hey, tell me oh, I'm totally good with the one. Um one child is enough for me. Mm. I, I it's weird to become a parent and then be like, hmm. I'm not very good at this, you know, like I'm, uh, I, I, I'm, I don't, I don't find these moments to be as enjoyable as people described. I'm not super thrilled about all of this extra work I have to do. It's like, I just got a fourth job. Uh, but she's also the greatest thing that ever happened to me. So that, that's, that's here. It's just, like, it's pretty it's, awesome. It's a, another job and it's very rewarding, but it does just take, so much out of you like it's just i you know what the lie is let me tell you what the lie is the lie is is that everybody says that when they're babies it's difficult when they are babies it is a cakewalk compared to when they are seven eight nine years old let me tell you they all talk about the terrible twos no one told me about the terrible eights Mm. which is going to talk back all the time and have an opinion on everything now she doesn't want to eat pork anymore that throws a whole right she doesn't want to eat pork anymore she's done with pork done with pork yeah, because pigs are cute. Is that a problem though? I, for me, yeah, because I like pork. Pork still. is pork. Huh? I don't think I've had pork. What qualifies as pork? Is sausage bacon? Pork? Sausage? Is sausage pork? pork uh, people are gonna be like, what? What is wrong with this kid? Um, <laughs> no, I I don't like bacon, so that would be okay. If you don't like bacon, then I can understand for the most part being able to avoid pork. You don't like ham? No. You're you're in the clear. You're in the clear. I have to lie to her about pork tenderloin being turkey breast or something. That's oh, what's going to no. happen. I don't know. That oh, sounds like no. a bad thing. We'll see. She's been eating pork? Thinking she's I'm not pork? cooking two different meals, Chase. I'm cooking one thing and we're all eating it. That's the way that this <laughs> is going to her, It's like squid and like calamari. <laughs> You're giving her calamari. It's cow tongue. It's cow yeah. tongue. Just tell her all these kind of random stuff and she gets to brag to her friends. She's like, guys, my dad's been making all these exquisite uh dishes i'm not a we ate tiger liver this week <laughs> and then she grows up and then goes out on a date with a man and the <laughs> orders a uh hey yeah could i get the uh the tiger head and do you guys have, uh, you guys have heel monster here <laughs> or just like some pork comes out and she's like oh would you like some of my uh oh, yeah. my squid yeah. and he's like what that's that's a a pork tenderloin. She's like, no, no, no. I've had this since I was a kid. This is rhinoceros. <laughs> yeah. I mean, whatever, whatever it takes. If you can experiment with your kid and just change their entire life and just really wreck all their future 
future possibilities. I think you got to do it, right? Oh, yeah. Well, at least at least mess with them to the point that when they're adult, they'll piece it back together and be like, that son of a bitch. Got him. He got me. He got me good. <laughs> got me. That was a good rib. That was a good rib. <laughs> a 10-year rib. Oh, that would be great. Oh, paid off. See, like, I would just do stuff like that. I would just troll. If I ever had kids, I would just troll all the time. But see, like, they're not that, on our radar. Relationships are not what on we're our radar. Did yeah, you, no, I, I get Did you read that Vox piece today on, like, what the point of dating is in uh, the age of Corona? No. It's really no. good. And it just interviews all these from people in their 20s who are just like, what? what we tried, but, like, what, what are we doing? There's no yeah. point. And I think that's really sad for a lot of people, but for me i'm like yes perfect it's off the it's off the table because dumb guy thoughts and just dating dating's dumb dating's hard dating's stupid and uh it's it's difficult and here's the thing is 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 it's just weird to me because we want it to be this magical connection with another human being Mm -hmm. yet yet we want to force it by trying to get you know algorithms involved on connecting us with people who are you know like us or like the same stuff we do and that's just not how stuff works man no it's not how stuff works uh i I, you and me we shouldn't work derek no podcast random absolutely not um we 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 are frenemies at best Mm -hmm. i seem to recall you were very vicious at the end of the last time you're on this podcast well, you 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 antagonize me. When do I? Ever? It, I you, you from the beginning from from the time before we we're even recording. Mm. You're setting it up. You're Call just setting it up. Pubescent boy on the girl. Podcast. Oh, girl. girl. Excuse me. Girl. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, there's a great Pete Holmes bit that I saw him do one time uh, doing stand up where he talks about how like our phones have ruined our lives in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Because there is, uh, there's, there's no more wonder, you know, there's no more wonder, like you don't have a chance anymore to come up with a, a question and be like, was that guy in that band? Was that guy in rush? Because now you can just wake up in the middle of the night and be like, was that guy in rush and Google it and bam, you got your answer, you know, before, before phones, before Google, you had to wonder about that. Mm-hmm. You, it kept you up at night. You would ask random people when rush was brought up about if that, if they knew the answer to this question, you would see a magazine and look it up in there. And then one day randomly in the park, you would see a woman wearing a rush shirt and you would ask her the question and she would give you the answer. And that's the story of how you met your wife. Mm. And that's how life used to be before we had phones to answer all of our questions. Right. I, I think that my relationship with my wife is weird because we met in, you know, circumstances that weren't the best. Uh, my wife was dating someone at the time. Uh, I had just moved out on my own and was not at all interested in, you know, being in a relationship or anything like that. But stuff just happens. You just meet someone, you know. And I think that what happens, you know, these days is people just it's kind of like instant gratification of buying stuff. It's not organic. You know, it's not organic. Well, it's, it's only that, but it's like, we have, we have different perceptions of how the, how it should happen. Right. And, and, and the problem is, is that instead of 
trying to meet people and go out and put yourself in situations, people want to use the same kind of tactic that they would to order something from Amazon. They want to download an app. They want to check out some stuff online. They want to see the reviews. And then they want to maybe maybe put in an order for a man, you know? And, like, that's that's kind of the problem, I think, with, like, dating apps and, and people hooking up through social media. I was just talking the other day about how mad it made me when my, like, my niece, who's in her 20s now, was a teenager, and I first saw a guy hit on her on Facebook. And the reason why it made me mad wasn't because a guy was hitting on my daughter on Facebook. It was simply based on how easy boys have it now, because all I had to do was drop this message on my daughter or my, my niece's page that said, I think you're cool. We should hang out sometime or we should kick it sometime. Something like that. And I was like, you little son of a bitch. How easy do you have it? You don't need to, you don't need to make the phone call. You don't need to call that that woman up and, and have the nerve to speak to her on the phone. You don't have to go through possibly speaking to her father before you get her on the line and explaining to him what your intentions are and speaking to his daughter. No, you could just leave this super casual message on her Facebook page that you can act like was no big deal. If she perhaps turns you down or isn't interested, it's, Oh, I've got a story the, for you, Derek. The whole, <laughs> the whole online dating thing to me is it's just people are too accessible. It's too easy for people to, to, you know, connect this way. And I don't know. I don't think real relationships are being formed at all. It's weird. I, um, I, <laughs> this is, uh, I'm, I'm hesitant whether or not I want to tell the story, but I, I get what you're saying. And, uh, I think it's, um, it's good because I remember there's two instances in my, uh, youth that, um, go along with what you're saying where it's just like, I didn't have a phone. I don't think till I was like a junior in high school, I want to say. And even then it wasn't like a lot of texting. There wasn't anything like that. Like we, we called and that kind of stuff. But I remember, um, the second instance in high school, I was talked into, but my, one of my good friends at the time, we were playing Halo at my house and he was like, the only way you're going to get this girl's attention is by going big and she was like a really popular really attractive girl and i knew i like i'd just known her for years and years and years but i uh i let him talk me into going to kroger and getting uh getting flowers for her you can see where this is going getting flowers for a 16 year old girl um super popular all that kind of stuff yikes i was writing for the school paper like not not really on the same wavelengths there just out of my mind and we go over there he drives me over in his jeep and uh i go and i uh ring the doorbell i think i'd written a note too i want to say like love note of some sort i i seem to recall and leave the flowers in the note on the doorstep because i just i freak and i run another guy in my grade opens the door she was back with a boyfriend. Yikes. So like Michael, dum, dum, dum. he's laughing hysterically in my car, in his car. And I'm just like mortified. And in his car, how old are you at this point? Uh, 16. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's too old to be bringing flowers over. Oh, no. It was it, just all time. Bad idea. And then yeah, of course, bad, like, bad. It's around school and everything. Brutal. 
just just brutal dude in middle school another super hot popular girl i brought i knew she liked bears and when i was in new york for my 13th birthday i got i I, like i brought her back a bear and as we were going to the middle school like bus line i like (laughs) went up to her and was like hey um and she like that look you know where it's like what do you want and i i remember i was just like hey i got you this bear and she turned and she was like no thanks and i just (laughs) oh my god i was like oh okay you cold-hearted wench (laughs) it was brutal and i was like all right well see you later it was like big gulps huh well see you later and uh that was that was my middle school love life experience but like high school like i even went back the next day to apologize about dropping the flowers off and one of her friends who could not stand me opened the door first and i was like oh this is good what what am i doing in my life what yeah. what what is happening and she was Perfect. like he's here and she comes out and uh i was like hey can i talk to you for a second i just want to apologize and i uh talked to her outside on her front porch and when i say i start shaking and i didn't realize i was shaking in the moment but like I had to grab the railing on her front porch because my legs were shaking so oh, hard geez, because of how no. nervous I was apologizing no. to her. It was Oh my god. I'm so was, sorry. It was awful. awful. Yeah. But those are like things that don't happen now. Like those are no, yeah, it's not gonna happen. Saying. That was the it's, reason I brought all that up. Is like those kind of moments just can't happen yeah, in today's no, world. They don't. They don't. Absolutely. I mean uh, even a positive moment, but that was also ruined by a friend similar to yours was where a girl who I was, had a crush on for a long time in sixth grade, I bought her the spin doctors cassette tape for her birthday. And I didn't know how she was going to react to it. It was kind of like what you're talking about. I had actually brought girls flowers before and had it go terribly wrong. So in this instant, I was absolutely terrified to bring this girl a cassette tape. And give it to her. But it was her birthday. And it wasn't like it was out of nowhere. It wasn't a like necessarily this, you know, profession of love to her or anything like that. Also, she already knew I liked her. So it wasn't like it was as, you know, hidden. We had gone out on a kind of a date uh, to my dad's restaurant and uh, played miniature golf. So, like, we she hung out with me. She obviously at least didn't hate me or didn't think the idea of being around me was terrible. So I brought her this cassette tape, but the big mistake I made was underplaying that she would actually be receptive of this situation. So I had a friend over at my house and this friend, uh, basically had nowhere to go. He was, he was over at my house until his parents got home from work or whatever. Right. Like it was one of those situations when you're a kid where your friend is now like with you for, for the foreseeable future until their parents are back home. And I went to this girl's house on my bicycle and I brought her the cassette tape and she was very, very flattered by it. And she asked me if I wanted to come inside (laughs) And I told her I couldn't because my friend was over at my house and I had to go back home because he was there. And then that girl pretty much never spoke to me ever again. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. So we, we all make mistakes. We but all make like mistakes. They're informative. They're 
like I, I do feel bad for kids that they're not able to like fail like that. I, I just I'm right a big like that. Top you gotta like really fall on your face because that's like how you learn. Oh, don't do stuff like that ever again. You're like, oh, I learn from these mistakes. Sure. I went back to my house and you know what my friend was doing? He was in my living room playing my Nintendo, having a good old time by himself at my house. My parents were there. He was safe. He was being looked after, and I had no reason to not stay at that girl's house at least for a half an hour and hang out with her. Uh, but yeah, uh, these are the those are the moments where then you look back on it, and then later on in life you're like, oh, my friend wants me to go out with him, but my girlfriend wants me to stay home with her. Guess what? I'm gonna stay home with her because I kind of like her more. You know that kind of deal. You start you start wising up. Yeah, and this yep. leads us naturally to professional wrestling, Derek. Absolutely. This is how you segue as professionals. Yep. Seth Rollins is staying home with Becky Lynch, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. That was childish. I'm sorry. That was. Can I, um. I haven't talked about Becky Lynch in this podcast. Okay. It's a tough conversation to have. Uh, because A, I thought that segment with her and Oscar was weird. I think doing yes. that with no people was weird. Oscar's reaction was weird. Yes. Um, it was funny. It was kind of, I don't know. It's kind of heartwarming at times how excited Oscar was for her. Uh, but yeah, the, the overall thing is, is Oscar's whole shtick is, is already bizarre enough, but it's really weird without anybody there to respond to it. I've also thought about it's, it's just brutal for the women in this industry because Seth Rollins gets to keep performing every week. Like he's going to be around. He doesn't have to sacrifice a year plus of his prime to go have this kid. And I, that was like one of my first thoughts where I was like, we've never really seen this in wrestling where two stars like this and Rollins and Lynch get together and then, Lynch gets pregnant and she has to go like she's the one going and like we're happy. I like she's clearly a, like ecstatic to be a mom and that's great. Like all of those things are great and I'm happy for it and I hope the best. I do just feel bad that she has to like because she was the better star between her and Rollins. Like she's the bigger name. The bigger name right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and she had the, the more prominent position. Yeah, she may never come back. Like She may no, never like, come back. That that's may- a very possibility and it it just kind of bummed me out and i don't know if that was the point but like that was my first thought i was like this is just kind of a bummer that she has to go away and disappear and she was on top and she's just gonna it it just it sucks because you want to have like if you want to start a family but you also want to be a big time professional wrestler it's just hard like it is hard it's 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 it a choice you have choices to make. that I don't envy any of these women having to make. Like it's no. a brutal decision you have to make. No, I mean e- even even with me, man. Honestly, like I'm blessed to be able to cover a professional sports team, and I'm also blessed to work for a website that doesn't actually want me to go on the road to cover them in any way, shape, or form. You know, I even when I'm covering them locally, based on the times of the games and and my daughter's schedule. I don't get to see her very much. This this whole time we've spent together, as much as I crack jokes about it, has been a blessing because we get to be sick of each other for for a little while before we go back to missing each other, you know, quite a bit. It's it's not easy to be a parent and be 
on the road or, or even absent from home all the time. I mean, I, I, I have another full-time job on top of working for, for Arizona sports. So I, you know, that's a, it's a lot of time during baseball season that I'm at work, uh, not only with the day job, but also on the weekends, you know, sometimes when they have a homestand, I'm gone Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and barely get to see my family. Uh, I can only imagine what it would be like to be, you know, a professional wrestler who's actually on the road all the time. At the very least, they have each other. So when they travel, they travel together. They get to be with their loved one. But, you know, now that she's going to be at home and Seth's on the road, they get to experience how hard that, you know, split actually is. It's it's very difficult. You know, Um, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think that there's only so much time in this life for you to do all the things that you want to do. Yep. And if Becky Lynch never wrestles another day in professional wrestling, she has achieved probably all of her goals in, in her career. Plus some, she, you know, main evented WrestleMania. She was the women's champion for, you know, uh, an unprecedented amount of time, or I get more, not compared to fabulous Mula, but you know, definitely a long time. She had, she had her reign, uh, and, and she could walk away being pretty satisfied with having done everything that she needed to in this business. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a whole other thing to be, be a parent, you know, it's a whole other thing to raise a, a, a little tiny person in your home. Um, somebody that's a combination of your traits and your, your favorite person's traits. It's, it's a, a thing that, you know, like I said earlier, not everybody's cut out for. Um, even, even my jokes about being, not being cut out for it myself. I, I love being a dad. I love going to her assemblies. I love all of that stuff. And I couldn't imagine missing all of that stuff. I'm lucky enough to have, you know, a job that lets me be like, Hey, I'm going to go to my daughter's thing. I'll be back in a little bit. You know, not, not everybody has that opportunity. You know, I get, I get to be there for these major moments in my daughter's life. The one thing I know is that that stuff happens fast. It really does. It, it, sure, it's 18 years and then that person is an adult. But though, for me, these nine years have passed by in the blink of an eye. And that's what Becky is going to think about. Where right. Does she really want to go back out in the road? Right. Her daughters too. Or her son exactly. too. Whatever. Like, she's just like, yeah. no, I'm going to do that. And I just, I don't envy her position and Seth's position because, well, he felt guilty about continuing on his career like it's nothing. Like, The Miz and Maurice, it was a very easy situation. Maurice is not trying to be a top professional wrestler. Like, she can do Miz and Maurice as a TV show. She yeah. can do her other stuff while being a parent. You cannot well, be at the top of being a professional wrestler as a woman and also do the whole motherhood thing. Like, it's just, it's really hard. It is. It's hard. I think it's hard for any of these people to be full-time parents. I I feel guilty even discussing it. You do. You do. You know why? Because it's like, we have no idea how it's going to all play out, you know? So for the most part, it's, it's up to them to decide on how they're going to raise their child and, and what she's going to do with her career. I think what's sad about it is that Becky Lynch is somebody we all kind of love uh, with the exception of a, of a very few you know, very, very limited amount of people. I think everybody like likes Becky Lynch. So 
it, it's hard to watch her walk away, especially at the top of her game like this. Uh, you know, it, it'd be the same situation. It, it basically is the same situation as we saw with Paige with her with her injury. Yeah, it's just not career ending. We don't know yet what we'll see out of Becky and if we'll see her back. Um, I I think the one part about wrestling is much like the fact that we all know it's fake. And it's all, it's a very weird scenario where we all know it's fake, but then we still want to be like thrilled and surprised and have them do stuff that, you know, defies the laws of it being, you know, some sort of predetermined outcome where they do some sort of crazy flip into, you know, onto a table or whatever, you know, wild extreme stuff they do. Um, but it, with professional wrestling, sometimes it's easier for us to accept these things when they just do some sort of storyline situation to write her off TV rather than having it be a retirement speech like we saw with people like Daniel Bryan and Edge. Yeah. You know, I think that's the part where this whole reality era, you know, the whole pulling back the curtain and exposing everything with pro wrestling kind of stinks. Right. I, I'm not a Jim Cornette. I'm not someone who's going to go off on a rant about, you know, killing the business or anything like that. But at times there's things about just putting on a show still that I, I understand from a fan perspective that I that I still want. You know, I still want to, you know, I want to read that it's Becky Lynch being written off TV because of this reason. But then I want them to say uh, I have something else crazy happen or whatever. I get it. She can't have a match because once she's been determined to be pregnant, they can't do anything, you know, athletic to risk her getting injured in any way or anything happening to her, you know, being pregnant. I just I don't know, some sort of stripping of the title and firing her kind of scenario or something that was obviously storyline, but still could have at least been a fun write-off, I think would have been a little easier to accept than yet another retirement speech. Yeah. And hey, good news came out of all of this. Um, along with having a child. I That is good news. It's happy news. Good for Becky Lynch. Um, but Asuka now has a title. And uh, Asuka is more enjoyable. Uh, when she is booked correctly and uh, Asuka is awesome and I am it's just so weird because it's like oh, I'm so excited about an Oscar right but like everything's just weird in professional wrestling right now like the performance center shows are just weird and yeah, the, the performance center shows are weird the cinematic stuff that they're doing is all a hit uh, money in the bank was excellent the two cinematic matches at WrestleMania were fantastic and the stadium stampede match that they did at AEW was quite possibly the best match I've ever seen in my entire life. And it got some crossover appeal. It AEW got... this week, man, they ended with Jericho and Mike Tyson. Whew. How, like, <laughs> if you want to know how weird professional wrestling is in 2020, we had a main, a big time professional wrestling promotion in their show with Chris Jericho and Mike Tyson. And not only that, but the reason for their feud, the reason for Jericho being mad at Mike Tyson was something that happened on a WWE episode of Monday Night Raw 10 years ago. It's wild. It's Um, awesome. I mean, it's really great, but it's also really weird. Mike Tyson was really weird during that whole thing. Uh, He got a a little bit overly aggressive and and went a little bit off script with some of the stuff he was doing. I, I don't know how this is going to work out. I'm pretty sure Mike Tyson has a lot of regrets from back in the day of not 
jumping into wrestling when he was done with boxing because he had a great opportunity to. Yeah. He had established a wrestling, you know, a, a relationship with WWE, and and it just seemed like it would have been a good fit for his crazy personality. I'm surprised to see him doing something, whatever he's going to be doing at, you know, at this age. But, man, he he looks great. He looks like he's ready to go. Yeah. I mean, it's just another side thing. Like him and Jer- like Jericho doesn't really have anything else to do right now, so it's fine. I'm okay with it. It's not pulling away from other stuff. But, like, my biggest takeaway from this week's show was Matt Hardy is in insane shape. And the bit of him just doing different versions of himself um, in that backstage thing with the young bucks or the bucks of youth, excuse me, the bucks um, of youth was great. And Matt Hardy is just in incredible shape. Like he's he's it's just wild to me. Like I thought he was done and cooked and broken uh, pun, I guess, intended there. And then it's just he's figured it out. And they had a great six-man tag match this week. And uh, I don't know. Shout out to them. And FTR is there now, which I guess is their name. FTR. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Did you watch Matt Hardy in Impact when he became Broken Matt Hardy? Yes. Okay. So the the thought I've always had with Matt Hardy has been WWE, once again, you know, acquiring somebody just to keep them from making another promotion successful instead of acquiring them so that they could utilize them to make them successful. I felt like that's kind of what's happened with Matt Hardy the entire time he's been with WWE. They never really, besides that WrestleMania match when they debuted, um, and you know, a little bit after that while they were still hot, they really didn't do much with him. Uh, they did let Matt become broken Matt in you know WWE, but they just never did anything with it. They 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 did some silly you know, vignettes and had some promos and stuff, but it fizzled out really quickly. And it, I don't think it was a lack of interest. I think by, by like the fans, I think it was a lack of interest by WWE. Um, and I think they've always just had a better idea of how to book Jeff than Matt. Like Jeff, they just always like Jeff is, more, which they should, because Jeff makes a lot more money for a company than Matt and Jeff is but, a star. And Matt but the is. thing was, is what Matt did in Impact was amazing. Yeah. And the sure. way that whole thing transitioned, the way he brought in his family, the videos he did, everything. I mean, Jeremy Borash is still probably the reason why the stuff WWE is doing, you know, with these cinematic type presentations are coming off so well. I'm not, I don't have personal knowledge of that being true, but I would bet my money on that. I think that, you know, when it comes to Matt Hardy, though, Matt Hardy is this well of ideas, especially at this point in his career. He's willing to do anything. He's willing to have these great matches. He's still willing to do some pretty crazy extreme stuff. But more than anything, he's willing to come up with these amazing ideas. I think a lot of this stuff that he did during this stadium stampede match and, and his time already in AEW were ideas he's probably had and pitched. While he was still with WWE, I mean, doing the different versions of himself where he was throwing it back to, you know, Matt Hardy version one and all of this other stuff like that stuff that would have been super over in WWE and would have worked better there because they would have been allowed to use all of his old music and all of that stuff. Uh, but, you know, it's it works really well here, too. It's and it, it kind of came out of nowhere and was a lot of fun. Uh, and it it. it I don't know that stadium stampede match. I know it wasn't a traditional wrestling match. It just, for me, it made me laugh so hard, just like the money in the bank. It just made me laugh. I just enjoyed myself during it, you know, um, that, that I, I'm, I'm kind of thankful, uh, for 
the situation simply because we would have never gotten these type of matches had it not been for them having to think outside of the box and do something differently with no fans. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'm not thankful for COVID. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of like, I think about these matches and when, you know, all of this is said and done, we'll look back. And I, I mean, years down the road, there's going to be people that like, what the hell was going on with some of these crazy matches that they were doing during this period of time when the, when the memory of the COVID and the pandemic is kind of, you know, gone and forgotten, there's going to be these, you know, this, this history of some of these matches they made. I hope to continue to see this type of stuff regardless of, you know, their, their situation with fans in the building or whatever, because it's, it's fun. It's, it's a nice, it's a nice reprieve from the normal wrestling match, you know? So to throw one of these in midway through a pay-per-view or whatever, it's, it breaks it up nicely. Yeah, that's fair. Um, do you think, uh, AEW has enough big guys? You mean big names or do you mean large men? Large men. I feel like everyone they're signing outside of FTR, like Brian Cage is awesome and he's a different kind of big guy. You have Wardlaw, you have um, Luchasaurus, you have I, you have a lot of big big dudes now. Where I'm like, oh, Brody Lee, obviously. Like I was gonna say, you forgot Brody Lee. I um, I don't yeah, care, man. I, big guys have always been boring to me. Same. I've never been super interested but in like, watching I big love guys. All their big guys, except for this, it it, it pains me. I don't know if you're on the same wavelengths with me on this, but Brody Lee has dropped the ball. What? In what way? In his in-ring work and his promos, how has he dropped the ball? Well, he's a bad talker. And oh no, that no, you're you don't like the par- he don't like him parroting Vince McMahon. Not really. Oh. I just don't think he's like a natural on the mic. I just don't and. I think his match with Mox was fine. I'm just glad it's over. I I just that was his shot to prove that he belonged in the main event scene. And I just don't think he's a main event guy. I think he's a mid card guy. But I'm very excited to see what Brian Cage does, because Brian Cage is an athletic freak and he can do stuff that I'm just I'm interested to see what kind of match he works with Mox because I I don't know, like the line from Mox where he's just like, I feel terrible, guys. Like his, Mox is just the best. I love John Moxley, but I did not enjoy the Brody Lee stuff. And I thought that that feud was a stinker and I'm glad we're moving on. I th- sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. I just think that was a, that was a stinker and they're moving on. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't totally agree with you on that. I, I like Brody Lee. I like what they're doing with the Dark Order. I think it's been fun. I, I, I like the Dark Order more before Brody Lee. I've decided. Well, because more interesting pre Brody Lee. Sure, sure. Because now the payoffs here, and the payoff is is that the chosen one is again a parody of Vince McMahon. That's Which, that's that's fine. Or, that's just a mid card gimmick. That's just not a main event gimmick. Yeah, I mean, and I just don't I think, think the main event I, worker. I think the bigger problem is, is like when he's been asked about it, he said, that's not what he's doing. And it's like, really, you're not doing that, but yet you're completely reenacting these stories that we've all heard about how Vince McMahon acts. I'm sure you know, just can't. Is there a like legal thing of just like I, I'm not going to say that maybe, that? maybe that's it. You know, I'm sure that's it. I'm sure it's a it's a matter of more like playing 
stupid about it rather than right. actually like what Jared then says on Twitter every day of his life. Right. Um, I just think that uh, it's it's been it was different. It you know I was expecting something else. I, I like a lot of people. I was expecting Matt Hardy to be the leader of mm. Dark Order, and to be honest, who knows that could have been more fun. You know, giving Matt Hardy so. a factor, making a better cho- I think it was a better choice doing Matt Hardy this way. No, I agree. I agree. I'm just saying, uh, maybe the Dark Order thing would have been better with Matt Hardy, not necessarily Matt Hardy and the thing he's doing. This that they're doing with Matt Hardy now is the the best part about it is it's something new. It's still taking advantage of the the crazy side that's really fun to watch of him. But it's, it's again, something new. So that keeps it fresh, and it doesn't feel like they're just redoing a gimmick that he's done elsewhere. Uh, Brody yeah. Lee, that's, I think that's the reason why I still like Brody Lee thing. I think that this is a guy that's wanted to be out in front for a long time. I think he's a guy that kind of was, and he stood out as an indie star. And then, you know, I don't think, I don't think a lot of people dream of, of growing up and being a henchman. You know, like some people do. Tyson Don't Tonto get me wrong. Did. Hey, I do. Uh, that's that's what I do as as a manager in professional wrestling. I'm I'm just a henchman for the guy I manage. But it it was a dream and an aspiration of mine to one day be a henchman in professional wrestling, and I've achieved my goals. You know, I guess other people have higher aspirations for themselves. You know, they see themselves as champion. They see themselves as being a big deal. I never thought that WWE really discredited Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. I thought they they just wanted them to be a tag team and keep them as that forever. You know, and I. Yeah, that's that's part of this whole pro wrestling game is sometimes you didn't intend to come in and be part of a tag team, you know, be a guy that nobody knows your name and just be somebody that's dressed like somebody else. And, you know, some part, but that's sometimes you fall into whatever works, you know, I I thought a lot of what they did outside of the Wyatt family gimmick with him and WWE was stupid, you know? Um, So I, I can understand his, his desire to go elsewhere. If, if the money is comparable and they let you be, you know, more creative with, with, the decisions you're making at AEW, then why wouldn't you go over there? You know, even if it's a pay cut, at the end of the day, it's still about, um, you know, enjoying going to work yeah. and not, not hating what you are every day, you know? And clearly AEW is doing that correctly and that, um, people want to work there and people want to continue going over there. They're, I think reaching a tipping point, um, with talent, like they're, they're stacked, um, from top to bottom at this point. I think the only thing they could really add is they need more women. They need more. They need to beef up that women's division because you know who has the best women's division in wrestling right now? NXT. No. Oh, who? It's Impact. Oh, yeah. Impact's women's division is definitely stacked. Yeah, I agree with that. Impact is doing a great job. And I think you have to include Tessa. I think it's... Oh, I understand she's the world champion, but she's still... Like the woman in that company, and Tessa's just incredible. And I do you feel do you feel like the natural migration there is for these women from Impact to start going over to AEW once their contracts or situations start expiring? No, so I know like Jordan Grace and I don't know some of those women just seem like they would fit right in with what AEW is doing over there. But AEW, the one thing like I love AEW. It's the best show every week. AEW is the best wrestling promotion right now. 
but they have because really of the inner struggled circle. figuring out how to put together their women's division. Like they just have. Like the Britt Baker yep. stuff from the get go was a mistake. She doesn't work as a babyface, but she excels as a heel. Just great. And I'm glad that her knee injury wasn't a torn ACL and that she'll be back for all out in September. That was good news. Um, she's, she's great, but they had to fail to figure that out. Like they had to fail with her as a baby face and sure. They failed with the Brandy road stuff. It's because she's a fucking nice person, dude. She's a really nice person. And I can understand she that is. she's just a terrible no, I mean, baby face. Like, right. it just doesn't work. And she's not a very good wrestler. Like it's weird. Like when I was describing her is she's like, she looks like she should be an athlete, but she's not like wrestling looks complicated to her where it's just not natural or she's not a, I guess a good example of this is like pack or Ray Phoenix, the way they move around. It's just, yeah, those are it's like athletes. They were, it's like, like they were born in a wrestling ring. Right. And they know, they know without looking exactly how far they are from they the, they wrestle with their eyes closed. Thing. Yes, absolutely. Um, Britt Baker I guess is not like that. Britt is like every you can tell she is thinking through every single movement and move. She's just smart. Like Britt Baker is really smart, and she's overthinking. Right, but then it, it. No, it's not overthinking. It's it's that intelligence is coming into play, and it's going. Don't do that. And you're like, no, 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 brain. Yeah, we do. This. I I know. No, I know what you're thinking. And his brain's like, what do you mean? You know what I'm thinking? I know what you're thinking, but. We're, we're going to overwrite you in this moment and, and we're going to go ahead and do it anyway. You know, like I think also she has, she's a real dentist, right? I mean, yeah. there, there's a lot of things there that not only does she know about like injuring herself and everything like that, but I think it's also a matter of like, you know, when, when you devote your life to wrestling and it's all you do, it's easier for you to clear your mind of all those kind of thoughts and just go with your instincts. Um, I don't know. I, Can I it, list off people who don't know about Impact's division right now? So you have Tessa Blanchard. Sure. You have Deanna Peraza, who is now mm -hmm. an Impact, who I like a okay. lot, a bit underused. You have Jordan Grace. You have Kimberly, who I think is going to be really good for them. They signed Kylie Ray. They still have Rosemary, who I still like. Taya Valkyrie is great. They have Emma. Sitting there waiting in the wings. I mean, they're just I, I I love what they're doing. Like they're stacking that women's division. And I don't think they're done. Would be my guess. Impact has been great over the last two years. It really has. I give them a lot of credit the for North what they've done. Great. I hope they get to continue doing stuff like I love the North. Ethan Page, I think, I think is gonna be a star. Like Ethan yeah. Page, I'm all in on. I, I don't disagree with Can anything. I tell you, you're I'm not all in on though, and I'm sure. curious what you think about this guy because, like, the internet, like, there's a disconnect. You know, sometimes in wrestling where it's like so many people disagree with your wrestling take that you're like, "Huh, maybe I'm just insane. Maybe, 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 maybe I'm wrong." Yeah, maybe this is not even an opinion thing. I'm just wrong about this. Sure, I get that with Sammy Callahan, where I think he stinks. Like Sammy Callahan drives me up the uh, wall. Like uh, his uh, delivery. His style, his just presentation. Like, I I don't get it. I do not get the appeal of Sammy Callahan. And I, I just think he's miscast. He's not a top guy. He's not someone you should build around. Like, this, I don't understand. And based on your reaction to what I just said, like, everybody else feels differently. I just, I don't get it. 
here what I'll here's what I'll say about Sammy Callahan is he he doesn't have go away heat for a lot of people, but he has a legitimate hatred from people as a character. Um, he's just genuinely unlikable, you yes. know. And I don't think that that's easy in today's professional wrestling, because typically if you are genuinely unlikable, it also has a connection to your inability to wrestle, right? Like you're usually bad at wrestling. The reason I say that is because one of the biggest problem with heels today is heels still have to have moves that pop the crowd. You know, you don't like you, you have guys like Baron Corbin that do boring ass move sets. And then all people say about them is he can't wrestle. Well, no, he's just not doing anything exciting because he shouldn't be because he's a heel. You should hate everything he does. You should hate his very presence and everything he's doing works on you. But then there's this weird misconstruing that uh, whole hatred thing. Um, Sammy Callahan doesn't get the same like knocks on his pro wrestling that that other people who are as hateable as him get, but he still gets that heat. I think that's the reason why he's so valuable is he's just, he's just, he's just got such a punchable face. You know, you just, you just want to punch him in his face so bad. You just want to see him get punched in his face. He's one of those guys that you'd pay money to go see him get punched in the face. And that's not something that a lot of people can do. That's how I should feel about Matt Riddle, I feel like. But I love Matt Riddle. I love Matt Riddle. I love Matt his, Riddle, his genuine Matt R- trolling of Lesnar and Goldberg is just it's incredible. So fun. Here's the thing is Matt Riddle is so perfect for the WWE. He is. He loves to have a good time. He doesn't matter how silly he looks at times. He loves to play the game when it comes to like doing that kind of stuff of calling people out on social media and kind of blurring those lines. But he's also like that PG 13 childish level of, of, of humor that you kind of need in the WWE. He's that DX level of humor. He's going to say some dumb shit. There's possibly going to be a bong in the background when he does some videos from his house. And it's, he's just going to always be kind of immature, but it's going to be funny. And and you're still always going to see him as this baby face. He has something that nobody else in WWE right now has. I love him. And I can't wait to see him on SmackDown or raw where he ends up. I'm with you on that. He's going to be on SmackDown. Because he doesn't Smackdown. want him on Raw. Yeah. Even though he's like Paul Heyman guy. But Bruce Pritchard gonna... uh, appears to like him a lot too. But I I think he is just going to be great. And I, I just, I hope we get Goldberg Riddle. I just, we need it at WrestleMania next year. I don't care. I don't care how bad it is. If Goldberg, it, just, I want one promo between them in person. Yeah. I want to see Goldberg legitimately stew. Yeah. As yeah. Matt Riddle just I want I want a fight to break out. I want security to break that like, shit up. I want him up. to hit him with his flip flops. Like just throw yes. the flip flops at Goldberg yes. and see how yeah. he responds. It's great. Like Matt Riddle is just awesome. And then AJ, my man, the best wrestler in the world of the last five years. AJ Styles has been the best wrestler in the world in the last five years. Just destroyed over the good brothers getting released. And yeah. like him moving to the SmackDown because he wanted to get away from Raw because it reminded him of his failure with the OC and everything. And he was the reason that they came to WWE. And like, I was there at the ROH show, the last show that um, the Bullet Club with AJ did together. 
like i was there in atlanta um those dudes it it's real it's genuine they've been together for a really long time and this was literally right before they all made the jump and it's kind of crazy how long ago that was now but i just i genuinely feel bad because i think aj also knows this is it for him too and that this is his last contract and now he's just on his own like he's just gonna ride this out and it's gonna be kind of sad that he's just the last man standing and a lot of the stuff that he probably wanted to bring and do in WWE just didn't come to fruition but it, it's definitely not the same when you don't get to go to work and be with the best friends you know right. what i mean you, like the guys are gone been there. yeah um i'm sure he's made some connections uh i'm sure he has some friends still left it, it's you know it's part of the business it, it sucks because it it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Once again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, where the WWE just doesn't seem to appreciate things that they acquired from elsewhere. They just acquired those things just so that the promotion or company that had them doesn't have them anymore right. to interfere in their success of, you know, of, of their promotion by taking their top stars. It's a classic WWE move, but it's also a classic WWE move to underutilize them once they get here because they don't really care about them. They'd rather still push their things that they made, that they started, that are original WWE creations, rather than push, you know, some sort of gimmick or whatever from somebody that came over from a different show. You know, we so give him credit though. They did treat AJ like a big deal. Like AJ did get AJ, a, yeah. That's very the, true. He was treated well. What I will say that they did not go far enough with him in that not closing pay per views with him, I always thought was dumb. Like it, when they had the joint shows when he was running SmackDown, he still wasn't closing pay-per-views. He still wasn't the final guy. Um, Dude, him and him and Shinsuke didn't even close the episode of SmackDown that they had as a first round match in the Intercontinental uh, yeah. Championship tournament that they're doing right now. Wait, so what yeah, are you doing? That's ridiculous. What are you doing? Exactly. It was. Um, a, it was. But a, we're getting AJ versus uh, Jeff, right? Like that's what we're gonna. That's what it seems like they're headed. That's what we're gonna get. It's probably just, would I wish change you had a crowd for this man thing. like jeff versus aj the crowd will be losing it i know i know well we, well we will have the nxt guys there in 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 the audience cheering also don't give wwe crap about adjusting to that where they're like oh they're just copying aw and i'm like okay this is a pet peeve i have with not even just wrestling fans but this permeates into politics and other stuff like that but just the idea that you should continue doing something that's incorrect just because you just because you you started it that way and someone else did it the right way the first time like you shouldn't adjust like you shouldn't adapt no it's okay to adapt it's smart for them to do this because they looked at yeah. this and they're like this works for this company we can do this too because this makes a better product like the idea that <laughs> i just i hate that line of thinking that you shouldn't change just because you pulled it from somebody else or whatever. It's like, no, that's called adaption. That's what human beings do. That's what they should do. They should be scourging the globe and looking at what every other promotion is doing. And they're like, Hey, we could do that too. Like there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. A perfect example of that was Saturday night live for their weekend update. They, the first one that they did where they were doing Saturday night live from home, uh, they had a zoom audience and it was like an audience of like, 20 Saturday night live fans that they had on zoom so that they were there to like laugh at their jokes and clap and stuff. And it was awful because 
it was 20 people. So it sounded like just this really terrible laugh track. They could have had a laugh track and it would have been better than this Zoom audience that they had. And they immediately scrapped it the next week, right? Because like you said, it was someone's idea. You tried it. It didn't work. You probably got a lot of bad feedback about it. You probably yourself didn't like it. So you scrap it and you move on. I think WWE is baby stepping their way to having an audience again. I think that's the reason why they went with the plexiglass. And I think that's the reason why they have the NXT superstars there. I think they're just going to make it that much easier to transition from this into having normal fans there in the building. And, you know, maybe there'll be a select group of fans. Maybe they'll do what AEW is doing, which is like the wrist bracelets that show that you've been tested for COVID before you came in the show or whatever. But I wouldn't be surprised to see the next step to be fans without seats standing in the exact same type of places the NXT superstars are and just slowly move their way back to having an audience. I don't know what's going to happen. I I don't know what's going to happen with sports. I don't know what's going to happen with any of this stuff. Like, I don't know when things are going to get back to normal, but I do know that uh, at times I'm, I'm pretty scared about how fast we are moving because it does seem like we're jumping back into things too fast considering the numbers that we're still seeing, you know, you know what I've been thinking about? I, I love the idea of full sale being like the test indicator for WWE when they get back with fans, because I think every, can you imagine a week where we just get like all the full sale people, they get tested. Like they get their temperature check. Cause it's a small, small room. Like it's, it's really small. Um, how many people do you think are in there for an average NXT I would, show? Oh, for an average NXT show? Yeah. What do you think? What do you what, think the number is? Like a thousand? Is it a thousand? Okay. That's I, I mean, it looks like I would. Well, I would say like um, you know, like a PWG show has less people there than that, and it's like five hundred. So I'm just doubling it, you know. But I don't know. That might be too much. Maybe split the middle and say seven fifty. I have no idea. Well, to be I wonder if it's enough where you can do the like you can have all of them come in and out where I, where you could still have a very intimate NXT style situation, but you do it for Raw, SmackDown, and NXT because SmackDown becomes yeah. better in full sale. Raw becomes way better in full sale when you look at the Raw roster. Like if you bring Apollo Crews and like. Of course, you have to leave Drew McIntyre behind because he's Drew McIntyre and he's boring and not a very good champion. And God, all right, all right, all right. We're wrapping all up right. here, so I had all to. Right. I had all to right. just get some. You're gonna start taking shots at my friends, my personal friends. You're gonna start taking. My friend is the WWE champion, and you're well, gonna take a personal shot at him. Who is the best Spanish guy? Sammy Guevara is a piece of shit, and he's oh, also wow. my friend, and I love booing wow. him at PWG. He wow. is my favorite person to boo at PWG. He's the nicest he person, took a head. and he's good to be he's a private so nice. party. All of them. Love them, but Sammy Guevara is my guy. They're, and they're a great group. Drew McIntyre might be behind the scenes. Great dude. He is a snoozer champion and i love the fact you that they are consider- so off base with these I love accusations that they're considering taking the title off of him for lashley just to give him another opportunity in front of fans at SummerSlam to win the title back just to see what the reaction's like it's a terrible idea but i'm okay with it because you got to get the belt off drew it's a sacrifice i'm willing to make I hate you so much. <laughs> Can we wrap this up now? We are wrapping we it up, up, but I just I'm glad right. that I was able to 
to end on a positive note, which is yeah, Drew yeah. McIntyre slander. Because yeah. Drew McIntyre, folks, not very good. Fantastic. Great guy. Great in the ring. Super Lesnar energetic. should have won. Handsome as hell. That is true. Tall, give you that. dark. He's got a kind heart. Yeah. He speaks to me. Sure. He one time kicked Jinder out of the front seat so I could sit in the front seat of his car. Okay. I mean, come on. That's all nice. Great, great stuff. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad you have a friend in Drew McIntyre. I don't uh, think we're going to be friends based on the way I talk about Drew McIntyre's professional wrestling. No. No. I'm going to tell him what you said, though. It's not. A, it, I wish it was different. I, yeah. I, don't, I go into all well, of this. I didn't have to tell him what you said, but now I got to tell him what you said. Can you, you know, at least tell him I, I liked him as the a chosen link one? To the podcast and have him listen. To, well, I don't know. Uh, that really doesn't do much now, but um, he's a great champion. He's an even he's better person. Not. And you're a terrible person for your slander, my friend. And I'm not going to stand here and take it. So um, you can follow me on Twitter at cap underscore caveman mm. with a K. Yeah. Um, you can follow Drew you don't have on to do Twitter. That. Yeah, follow him. God, it's you know what, Drew McIntyre. You know what Vince is going to do? And I, I, I commend him for this. The first fan in attendance show, you just have Lesnar squash Drew and get the title back. And we go back to normal. And we pretend like it never happened. How about one. you do full about, John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Brock comes out, F5s Drew four or five times, pins him, and we get back to business, which is Brock Lesnar as a uh, top dog. As Oh, that sounds, that sounds dreadful. That sounds dreadful. No, what's dreadful is him beating Ricochet in like seven seconds. Um, that, yeah. That, that is yeah. dreadful. Yeah. Yeah, save there's a your, lot of save Ricochet. Um, that is my ending note. Is that Ricochet? Um, it's time to go. The, it's it's not going to happen. And do you want to see him in the cruiserweight division? No, I I, I want to see him in AEW. I know everybody's like just put him in it like per, person X at the end. He's like, but the difference between Ricochet's booking in AEW versus Raw and SmackDown is just it's unavoidable and i just think he would be treated as the top guy like he would just be he'd be so much better and i would prefer him there because of how many big guys they've signed and just the difference between what he would actually bring because they really don't have many flippy guys on top like that's just not how their booking is like you have jericho you have moxley you have cage you have all these other dudes yeah um I think they're, they're definitely booking out, it very traditionally enough. yeah yeah but right about that there we go. See, you agreed. That's a great way of ending things. Is that I agree with that? Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I, Ricochet is another human being that I think is a fantastic human being. If he is a human being, he does stuff, standing flips and stuff that I don't know how it's possible. I don't. I don't know, man. Some of those guys I don't trust. I know for a fact Travis Banks isn't a human being. Mm. He's an alien. He doesn't sweat. It was 118 degrees inside of the uh, American Legion for PWG night three and not a bead of sweat dropped off of Travis Banks's head. That man is not a man. He's not a man. And he asked me to stop telling people this. He said, please stop telling people I'm an alien. It's really affecting my ability to get booked in the States. And I was like, I don't know, man. That's exactly what I expect an alien to tell me is that, you know, please stop telling people I'm an alien. There you go. No, he's not trying to convince me. He's just trying to tell me to stop telling people. You know, it's like, stop telling my secret kind of deal. Yeah, not. He's an alien. Derek. Maybe Ricochet, too. This has been great. I appreciate the time tonight. Thank you for coming back. Um, sorry you had to. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, sorry you had to um, 
go back down and think about how Drew McIntyre isn't a great champion. No, that's fine. No, that's fine. I no problem at all. I will discuss all of this with him and he'll have some thoughts. He'll he'll send you some notes. Perfect. Like I would love for him to explain to me why he's good at his job because I'm I'm out of answers there. Explain to you why you're bad at yours. I mean, I don't need an explanation. I know why. And he doesn't need to, but yeah, see, I'm no, at I peace with it. He's not at peace right. yet. Um, Derek Montia, thank you so much. Uh, I will talk to you soon, buddy. Thank you, sir. Talk to you later. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.